Closed captioning of this program is brought to you in part by Pariah Pickups. What you want, what you need, what you love. Visit pariahpickups.com and at pariahpickups on Instagram. And loudtracks.com. Visit loudtracks.com to get your favorite band merchandise and purchase a Jeremy White Podcast t-shirt to support the channel. The Jeremy White Podcast. Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Available wherever you get your podcasts. There he is. He's connecting audio. Give him a second. Oh. oh hold on. Here we go. It's funny because he's on the iPad and sometimes he can't. It's, it's hard to get the button to work. I know. I did that last week. I couldn't get the damn thing to work. It's just connecting audio, though. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Connect. There we go. There we Look go. Hello. YouTube. What the hell? What happened to this guy? Did he fall out of a clothes hamper? What's he doing? <laughs> You will like this, Dennis. Uh, Jeremy there is Montreal's number one on-air personality, having won 19 rating books in a row. Wow. So. I can't hardly... And why are you talking to me if you're so goddamn big shot? Because <laughs> you're, you're the legend, man. This is so cool. <laughs> you have to get confused with James Young. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> And and uh, there is talk that he might replace Terry DeMontigny at Shome. So oh God, don't say that. Because but but Terry is is Dennis's a uh, big friend, longtime friend. So yeah, I'm going to. Um, Terry didn't email me. I, you said it. You emailed me, and yeah. I said, "Oh, doggone it!" And then uh, his producer said he wants me to shh, mm. yeah. go, Terry, which of course I will, and um, you know. We all love Terry. You get to a point in your life. Now that I'm about, what am I? 29, 30 years old. You get to a point in your life and all these wonderful people, talented people that you've been associated with all these years of which you're one Mitchell. Um, Thank you. You think, well, although you're on the young side of all this, you think, what are we going to do with all these guys? And here, this guy comes in here, Jeremy with hair that says, you can't tell if I'm going to the left or the right. (laughs) Yeah, I love you, brother. You know, it's funny. The uh, the hair product, the hair product I use is actually called Bedhead, so it kind of gives the. You know. But the, the the good thing is that Jeremy's only twenty six, and 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 oh. he's 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 on in Montreal and Toronto, so he's a he's a, he's a DJ in in the number one and number two markets in in Canada. So I'm know. impressed. On the other hand, when I was when I was your age, uh, uh, Jer- Jeremy, uh, I I was twenty six, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you were doing a lot bigger things than I was, <laughs> and I'm doing. <laughs> listen, listen, I, I I know because I've had some success. You think I know something? You don't. I just don't. Mm-hmm. I made all this shit up as I went along and faked people out, and mm-hmm. so did I. That's the secret yeah. of success, right? Fake it till you make it. You got yeah. to because you know in this era of um, um, everything's fake, and I'm watching I'm watching the news today, and they're talking about all these videos where women are talking about they shouldn't get the vaccine because their baby will die or whatever you know mm-hmm. i think so how are we you know this is the guy who says too much technology how are we going to understand what's real anymore when they can fake videos so authentically I, it's just so scary and i'm glad that i'm not 26 although i wish my prostate were uh because uh 
I, I don't know how we're going to fare in this world that you're going to face. And uh, both, uh, Mitch is not as old as I am. I think he's only 70. Um, both he and I want to apologize for how, however, we were, we contributed to screwing up this world. Don't we, Mitch? Yeah. Well, as a Canadian, we, we uh, contributed much less, but a little bit still. <laughs> oh, you did. You Canadians until recently have been so polite. Uh, and then yeah. I heard I, I, the other day on TV say, hey, what's going on? What, what, where's all our vaccines? And they want to, you know, the, Flint, the French are going to blame the English thing. You, should bring, you, know, you know, it's the same old thing, even up there. Yeah. No, so that's you that's, that's how Twitter. it works in Quebec. That, that's how it works in Quebec. And uh, yeah, enough, you know, about. enough about Quebec. Uh, and, and Jeremy's over on the uh, Mohawk Nation uh, in Kahnawagi. And, and yeah, he blames both of them, too. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, What's wrong with people? I mean, here's what the internet and all the connections have have given us. Remember when uh, Marky Mark Zuckerberg said his his goal was to co- connect everyone? I said, "Have you met everyone, you little punk?" <laughs> <laughs> now everyone's connected, and we think to ourselves, "Have human beings always been this stupid, and we just didn't know it?" And now they can, here's, here's the internet. You know what the internet is? Social media, what it is? It's like, it used to be like in your favorite tavern. That's the kind of talk you'd hear when you went into a tavern. Now yep. everyone's typing it and everyone's reading it. And, 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 and they're without, tweeting with, it. And, yeah, and with anonymity. Anyway, why am I yeah. on the soap? I'm getting off the soapbox. <laughs> well, no, you, you bring up a good point. You know, I just saw a thing on Facebook the other day where it was like talking about mental health of kids today. It's like, and it was an it was an older guy that was talking about, you know, back in the day, we didn't have this social media. You know, you'd go to a bar and you'd have a conversation with somebody and whether you agreed or disagreed at the end, you have your little argument, you go your separate ways and you see each other the next day at the bar and everything's fine. Now <laughs> on social media, everybody's just upset about something all the time. And you're not allowed to disagree with anybody. All of a sudden, you get attacked, and you got a point. Can I can I elaborate on that point? Yeah, of course. Here's what was good about taverns: if you said something egregious, you'd get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. And that's what's wrong with the internet. We need fistfights <laughs> would take care of a lot of this bull. I'm not kidding. If you say something, someone go you. If if you know you're not going to get punched in the sh- in, in the snout. Yeah. But then you say crap. But if you know the guy in the bar, it reminds me, my dad told me this story once. He was in a tavern. My dad was like uh, soaking about 128, 130 pounds. And he walked into the pit, got drunk and said, I can I can take anyone in this in this bar. And this guy got up, he was like 6'8", hit him right on the top of the head. And my dad said, that's the last time I opened my mouth in a bar. That's that's what it's all about. If you If you can't get punished, physically for the stupid things you say i'm gonna start a campaign you and me mitch bring back fist fights bring back well we'll have the new york rangers sponsor us after last night Uh, you know i understand there's a game called hockey i just don't know what it's all about Uh, because i went to a hockey game once and i thought i saw the puck anyway (laughs) shall we shall we get to talking about the 26 east volume two which is well, it's a masterpiece built on a masterpiece. I didn't think you could do much better than volume one. And then I heard the song Last Guitar Hero and I went, well, apparently you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, listen to me, Jeremy. You don't know this, but I translate. I got this, this dictionary, uh, English into French. And, 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 and Lafon is actually French for genius. 
<laughs> so I, that's uh, how am I supposed to argue with him? I, no. I thank you, everyone. Good night. What more could I add to that? Listen yeah. to this. Hear what he said. He called the last the last album. He sent me an email and said it's a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Well, it is because at the time when he said it, I was going like this. Geez, I hope this doesn't suck. Really, because that's what we go through. And people think, oh, this guy, he, he, he just does this. No, I, I question myself at every turn. I think I'm never good enough. Uh, and I got plenty of people who could concur. But nonetheless, I, I, I forge on. So, yeah, but, uh, I mean, look, turn, turn around. Look at the wall behind you. I, I, I think you could be a little bit confident at this point. Oh, no, but... don't be ridiculous. That's a green screen. That, that's a picture of Sting's. <laughs> yeah, Sting's, that's Sting's living room. Oh, yeah, but I, I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've got this playlist here and I've got East of Midnight in there, Unbroken, Run for the Roses, etc. That, that. And, and this is still in my phone now. This That album, which came out last year, it, it, it's not just one of those that you put on when it comes out and go, oh, it's really great. And then six months later, you go, oh, yeah, it was good at the time. No, it, it's still good a no, year you've later. Been, you've been talking about the, the album since it came out, even before. And I was like, okay. And I listened to it. And it's absolutely brilliant. And then to go and listen to this record, it's like, you know. Well, I, I, the last guitar here was awesome. My One of my favorites, though, is um, Your Saving Grace. Which oh, yeah. Oh, Jeremy. Mm. Wait a minute. Stop. Don't yes. Here's what I'm going to say to you, Jeremy. I know now why you're so popular. Because... Jeremy in Slavic is genius as well. <laughs> You've just picked. Now, wait a minute. 11 tracks. Uh, they're all different. So, you, mm -hmm. you know, you're going you're gonna to run into a guy in a corner who prefers one over another in terms of style. But the fact that you said that, that is my favorite song on the record. I'll tell you why. When you're doing stuff, you know you're not going to. You're not going to be the A-plus guy on 11 tracks. It's hard to do that. But every time I came back to Your Saving Grace and I would be playing it amongst the others, it would, it would make my heart just flip and I'd feel verklempt. It just, there's something about what I'm talking about in that is so fundamentally human. And Jeremy, I'm going to shut up now. I, I applaud you for picking that one out. Well, thank you. I, at first, I thought it was about aliens. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> and then and then I got further into the lyrics and more. And I was like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. Where what, what is it about? No, no, you thought it was aliens, but to my surprise, we climbed aboard their starship. Never mind. Um, well, you know, what do you think it's about? Well, I just think it's about you sort of connecting. If that makes sense, it's just I think it's about connecting to a greater power in a way or a greater being. And Jesus Christ, this kid's smart. Yeah. 19 rating books in a row. You, you don't just, that doesn't just happen. No, because <laughs> what it is, is what we you, look, look at. The, there's only one question. Yeah. Right. For all humans. Why? Yeah. Why? Mm -hmm. uh, because none of us know why. And a lot of my song, not a lot, two of my other songs I had, show me the way. Hello, God. And essentially, what we all want to know is, why? Are, are, what are we supposed to believe? Because we don't know. Because, you know, human beings, they can't possibly know because it's beyond their comprehension. When people tell us, like I talk about in the Isle of Misanthrope, when time can be a continuum and theoretically everything 
come on, we're humans. We just want pizza. So when they come up with these theories, but in, in, in this song, I'm saying, um, I want a higher power to save me. Mm-hmm. That's what it, your saving grace is. I, I, it's the desire to know something that will help us understand our place in, in the universe. Mm. Yeah. Let, me, let me just quickly ask you about volume two. Is it, were these songs written at the same time as volume one? You sort of said, okay, these, these, these 10 go on the first one. These 10 go on the second one. Or did these ones come after in another spurt of writing where you just went, wow, that was good. Let me try these now. What was the process? Jim and I, Peter Rick, we, when we got together, we didn't know if our, our writing partnership would bear fruit. So we love each other so much and respect each other and are a perfect age. There is no competitive, real comp- competition between us, which is we just want the thing to be better, which yep. is what groups successful. When everyone wants the thing to be better than their own personal success. When, the, when all boats rise with the tide, that's what makes groups wonderful. When one of the two of the guys think, I can be this, I don't need that, that's when trouble brews. So we had that going for us. We wrote 17 songs, of, of which I wrote half, and half we wrote together. So seven of these songs, Mitch, were already written and recorded for the most part uh, and mixed. Because I didn't know which songs would get on, on, on one because it, I only thought there was going to be one. So I, I had in my mind, okay, it turned the record into Serafino at Frontiers. He said, I want them all. Good. He should. Okay. Yeah, smart I'll, man. We'll make a volume two. And, and I said, is there Lyra involved? And he said there was. <clears throat> I said, well, hey, look, I spent the money already myself, overspent to do all these songs because I was fearful, which is why I didn't want to make an album anymore, that I, that I couldn't write songs that mattered. And if I can't, I can still sing. You've heard me. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But it's the song. If I can't write something that maybe you go, oh, this guy, yeah, he wrote good stuff in 1977. We just hate him now. I didn't want to have that happen to me. So we had all these songs. Volume two, I had four to complete to make what I thought would be a, a complete volume two. All the while thinking, you can't front load one, Mitch, and then no. have to be a piece of, you know, not even, it's never going to be crap with me, but at least be go, yeah, it's okay. Well, just- not crap, but tired, where you go to the first one, you go, eh, sort of ran out of steam. Mm. Or, you know, it's all just filler or the B-sides that, you know, that weren't yeah. good enough to be on one. But every, everything on the, on volume two is, is, if not better than volume one. So, yeah, I know. And I, and I sound bad saying that. It's like I'm insulting volume one, but, but, but. This one kicks ass. I mean, credit where credit's due, you know? Let me just say, so you mentioned the voice real quick. Let me just ask you about that, because we, we know a lot of stars that, are, that started in the 70s and 80s, and they've gotten now, and they sang real high back then, and, you know, they have to detune or downtune, and then their voice. I would suggest that your voice is as good or better. Was there anything special going on there? Is it just good genetics? Did you did you train in a sense where you you know honey? You're like, how did you maintain it? I didn't do drugs, and, and it wasn't that helps. That helps. Smoked, so that 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 gives you a leg up, right? And when I was in 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 my fifties and my forties, even 
I had a certain sense of being older always in my life. Because like I told you, Mitch, before I had a record deal, I had a wife and a daughter. So it makes you, if that hadn't happened to me, I probably would have been a maniac. But when you have the responsibilities, you take them seriously. So I really knew I'd gotten lucky with my voice in that it didn't sound like anybody else. And people seemed to like it. So I respected it and I wouldn't scream and I wouldn't abuse it. Uh, so that's part of it. But I think dumb, stupid luck really? is, also, is also part of the equation that, you know. Um, and and I, nothing, no nodes, no no vocal surgery, just just dumb luck. Yeah, we never say the end <sighs> ever in a conversation. But no, I, I just, um, I, just I just respected it and got lucky. And so I hope it continues. But having said that, <clears throat> it's really about the songs. You've got to have new songs. So when I did this album, I wrote Isle of Misanthrope, of course. Um, the Quarantine, Sing Quarantine, That's Always funny. Time. And what was the other one? What are you nuts, you stupid? Uh, made for each other, proof oh, of heaven. No, There's uh, no turning back time. So little, little did we know. Little did we know. There we go. Because those lyrics are really about the pandemic. Uh, those three. They're like. Uh, you live through it. I'm writing songs. I'm going to try not to say the word pandemic, and I don't. Uh, but the, the idea that St. Quarantine, I just, it, it made me laugh when I came up with the idea, only because as a, as a f- failed Catholic at this point in my life, um, you, you would have patron saints you could pray to. And I, I actually, in, on the Man of Miracles album, 1974, I wrote a song called Christopher, Mr. Christopher. Right. Uh, which was about the idea when the Catholics yanked St. Christ- Christopher's uh, his sainthood away from sainthood. him. And it was, yeah, it was a, st- so it was a song about a nun who had made St. Christopher her patron saint and told him all her fears, lies, everything, confessed to him. And then the Catholics said, ah, it's not a saint. So it was her dilemma, mm-hmm. which is always my, I have an underlying thing about religion. And so St. Quarantine was us going, we pray to you, St. Quarantine, this guy, right? He said, oh, yeah, we know you're going to get us through this. And at the very end, when the music changes, he's saying, hey, hey, Q, I'm not calling you St. Quarantine. You're just Q to me now. From now on, you're nothing because you're not doing anything. So that was the point of the song. And my wife, I almost kept it off the album. But my wife kept saying, I love that song. And I said, why? So, you know, this is what you go through. Why? Why do you like that song? So, so the wife is the committee. What makes it her <laughs> gets tossed on the album? She's beautiful and can, she can cook. So I got to listen. There you go. I still, uh, Jeremy, uh, you're 26. 26. Yeah. I still like a little slap and tickle. So I pay mm-hmm. attention. See? Yeah. The albums yeah. were named after you, Jeremy. 26 East. Yeah. There you go. And it's coming out on June 20, uh, on June 11th. My birthday is June 12th. So it's almost like your gift. My birth, your gift, birthday gift to me. It is. It really is. I thought about you when I did that. <laughs> Dennis, let me ask you. Um, you know, for me growing up, I was exposed and discovered your music by listening to the radio in Montreal, listening to Terry DeMonte on Show in the morning. Every morning they'd be playing the stick stuff and Dennis DeYoung. And you know, talk about what it's like being in the music biz now. Because obviously back in the day, radio was an important piece, but now you got so many places for music to be discovered or be completely unnoticed. 
is it is it still viable to be putting out a record or are you just simply doing it for the fun of it absolutely not there's no fun of it i don't get any fun of doing that that's work that's a job yeah uh, constantly challenge yourself to be good um is not is to me that's not fun that's just work and you know i do it because that's what i've chosen to do yeah but the music business i just did a facebook post all you people listen go to my facebook i write everything and mm. it's pretty funny um i'm talking about the music business the radio was everything to people of my generation and here's what the radio provided it didn't make you a slave to the internet like a blind man in a in, in a, in a darkened room where you got to search everywhere for the door handle to find a song you might like mm. There is no editor uh, on uh, on the internet when it comes to music. It's a free for all. It's wild west. Everybody who has a device thinks they're a musician can be one because they can upload it. Boom! You're, yeah. uh, here's what radio used to provide. There was an editor. They would get all these records and they would go, "I don't know. That's awful." Now, did they make mistakes? My career is a litany of them making mistakes. We've had at least three songs that became hits after they were originally released, including Equinox in the States, Mitch. Equinox only sold 350,000 when it was released. It was big stuff up in Canada, but not in the States. And now it's like 2.7 million. So mistakes get made by record companies. They get made by uh, radio stations, but they edited. They made it so, okay, you don't have to do all the work and be inundated by tens of millions of pieces of music to sort through. This is what radio's advantage was. You'll be in your car eating a hot dog, whatever, going over by there, as they say in Chicago, and you hear a song, you go, yeah, I like that. And then you'd go and buy it, okay? Mm -hmm. Because they said, here's your playlist. Now, yep. people are like, playlist is short. Well, now the playlist is so big, how does anybody ever have the time in their lives, the pandemic notwithstanding, to do all that research. So I just think that's the value of radio. It has abrogated. Is that the right word? They've given up to the, 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 the idea of being the arbiter of taste. They just have. And particularly with rock music. As I say in The Last Guitar Hero, Mitch. Yeah, great song. I'm the last, you're the last guitar hero. Why should anybody care? The Last Guitar Hero with pretty pop stars everywhere. So we know the whole music business has shifted away from rock and particularly radio mm -hmm. and gone toward pop music and rap music. Those are the two countries in there in the States. Yeah. So I hey, hey, listen, Jeremy's the proof. He's top 40. Right. I mean, I work on the pop station and, uh, you know, I'm constantly battling to try to get a little bit of electric guitar on. The, and, you know, the, the as far as they'll go with electric guitar on pop radio is something that's like a countryish lick. You know, we play a song called Mood by 24K Golden. That's like one of the big pop songs right now. And it's got this clean countryish like brown, 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 brown. And it's super country, but you won't hear an electric, the distorted guitar. Somebody like Sean Mendez comes out with an electric riff in the in the song. Radio pop radio is not touching it. Then they'll get pressure from fans, you know, fans saying, "Well, why aren't you playing the new Sean Mendez?" Oh, well, it doesn't fit our format. This and that. everybody, it's always everything's got to be on brand. But they're so afraid of taking always chances and brand. still being being the tastemakers that I we miss out on such on so much good music. 
Lean in here, Jeremy. I'll tell you a little secret. <laughs> Go ahead. Even back when radio mattered, really mattered, it was everything to everyone. Rock bands had real problems trying to get on top 40 radio. And the same excuses were made about, oh, that's going to scare people, that electric guitar. True. Rock songs would rarely get into the top 10. So this was a dilemma. But we didn't care that much because we had FM radio, which played the crap out of all that stuff. So we had balance. So we didn't all have to worry about getting on the top 40. But that's always been there. Mm. But now... You know, show them how much new music does show them play. I don't even know if they play any. So many of the rock stations are just classic. And if the, mm-hmm. for the pitiful amount of new music rock stations, it's, it's meaningless. So yeah. I'll tell you, <clears throat> here's a reason. Uh, like for when I first did Lady, J.Y. and I came together in 1970. He's the hard rock guy. He doesn't, doesn't like ballads, never written one, doesn't care. He's that guy. Okay, I'm the guy that goes, I like melody, I like chords, I like, you know, I like to sing, I'm a singer. Uh, When we got together, and I wrote Lady, Lady, you know, there you go, wait a minute, Lady, when you're with me, I'm smiling, that song. I had never written songs. I sat at the piano, I came, I said, gee, that that, that doesn't sound so bad. So, and we got in the room, we started playing, Lady in the morning, and all the that's really arrangement of that song because of JY, his hard rock sensibilities, and my melodicism came together and created the Sticks sound. Right. Okay. Mm. Couldn't get on the radio. First time it was released, it was a stiff everywhere, Mitch. Right. Nobody. Wow. You know, what, you know what they used to say in 1972, three when it was released? It doesn't fit into any format. It starts out like the Hollies and ends up like Led Zeppelin. They they don't have a format for that, right? But Mm -hmm. you know who the real format is? Your listeners. Right. They're not, they they don't have to worry about advertisers. That's what your bosses do at radio stations. Oh, how do we get to this person to sell them that that can of junk? This is what radio stations, (laughs) they only exist. Okay. They use music as the come on, right? Yeah. To get people to buy wash machines or beer or whatever. It's, it's. That's what they are. And so they're worried about demographics. They're worried about brands. They're not even the music. Who cares? As long as we can get advertisers. Am yeah. wrong? No, you're not. You're, no, you're not wrong. 100% right. You know, and the way, we're, we're talking about showmen playing new music. The only time that they will play new bands is if they have to meet a CanCon quota or if, uh, you know, they're going to play somebody like Greta Van Fleet, who's like trending online. Oh, they're the new Zeppelin. Like, you know, there's always some sort of shtick or some sort of gimmick that comes along with playing the new rock stuff. Do you do you think do you, you know, Gene Simmons has been in the press lately a lot for asking, saying that rock is dead. Do you <laughs> think do you think rock is dead, Dennis? We've talked about it, me and him. Here's what I would say. It's dead as a radio format, which means the way of doing business. Let's understand something, guys. We have a product to sell, we musicians. The way we get to continue to make new music is if somebody buys that stuff, then the record company gives you money to do the next one. This is not... You know, I don't have an easel. I'm not in a studio in a loft in Paris doing art. This is commerce. 
If you don't sell enough records, you don't get a chance to make another one. Wake up! All you people who rock right in the rock press, you're imbeciles. When they say, oh, this rock band is the deal, they're rebelling against the man. You know what I say? They are the man. Yes. Bands sign contracts with multinational corporations, and the first thing they decide is how much money do they get for everything they sell? Now, that doesn't mean the musicians are, are pure capitalists, but they know how the game is played. The game is money has to be made in order for the train to stay on the track. And there's nothing wrong with that. This idea that somehow they always conflate the idea. Oh, that's just corporate rock or that's just commercialism. You think somebody sitting in a room, a band is going, let's be let's be this or that. Those are definitions to denigrate the music that these jack wagons don't care for. And so they're going to pick up these other things that nobody likes and elevate them. It's crap. It's insanity. But we have a business here. And now, let me tell you, if Sean tomorrow could get a 50 rating, all right, uh, on their QM, right? Mm-hmm. By playing rock, new rock music, you think they would be doing it? You're damn right they would. So yeah. the audience itself has moved on from rock music. They just have because radio stations are businesses. And so they play pop music and all the little girls dancing around and the guys and whatever it is, repeating the same four notes 2,500 times so you can remember it. I got it. Yeah. People are listening. So you can't make people like what they don't care for. And I think at some point people, rock, Mitch, how long has rock lasted from 1954 or so till now? It's yeah. been worn out. People have treaded those chords and tried to you know, stir it 70,000 different ways. Maybe the audience just said, ah, it's my parents like that music. I'm but they've too- never done it as well as 26 East Volume 2. Yeah, you got to off my soapbox, Mitch, because <laughs> I start talking and I, I, I think I, I need, can I get some Xanax down here, please? <laughs> I, got, I just, I, I want to ask you before we run out of time, uh, the cover is inspired by, of course, Meet the Beatles, which came out years and years ago. Uh, it, was it that just a, you wanted to have a visual sort of homage to the Beatles or is Meet the Beatles, the album, uniquely special and significant to you? No, never bought it. How about oh. that? No, wow. here, here, here's what it is. Volume two, we started out, Hugh Gilmore and I, to try, who made the first one with the locomotives. What do we do about this? Well, maybe the locomotives are, they're in black. Well, maybe but they see the back of the train. Uh, and I thought, oh, this, I hate this, all of it. I said, well, let's come up with a different concept. And I said, I just played him Hello, Goodbye, which right after Your Saving Grace is my favorite song on the record. I just came down here to do your interview. I play it every morning, Mitch, because it makes me happy. So I play it. Um, And uh, so consequently, I said to Gilmore, I says, how about if I wear a turtleneck? I have this picture of me. I said, what, what do we do? Let's let, let's go back, look at Meet the Beatles. And he just put it together. So um, I guess it's me saying where it began for me, so shall it end. I always wanted, as I put, I did a Facebook page, a post, uh, and there's the picture yeah, of them. I saw that. Mm. And, I, and I said, I have, since 2964, I've been trying to sneak into this fucking album cover. And I could, <laughs> no luck. Ooh, can you say that word here? I yeah, you can. can. Of course. <clears throat> okay. Of course. So that's it. And I wrote that song. It was for the first album, Mitch. Yep. It was B-side when cut one on, uh, 
uh, on volume one. And then I said, I like that song. Let's hold it for two. So that that's that's the reason for the cover. Yeah, it's paying homage <clears throat> to the reason. I just I just did a, I had I, I talked to John Anderson um, about two weeks ago on a video call. He's got this song he's working on, "Feed the Hungry," uh, and I'm gonna I'm probably gonna end up on it, doing something with him, um, and send him the Beatles song. And he just he really you know he said, "Whoa, how wonderful!" Because he knows what I know, and he so told me his story about. There's no yes and no John Anderson without them. Bill mm. Moore just said the same thing. He'd met they met the Beatles in 70 at Abbey Road. And he the first thing they told him, there's no us without you. That's it. Anybody who had uh, made a band in the 70s, uh, there is no us without them. So this is my thing. There it hey. is. That's why I'm here. Hope you like it. If you don't, IDC, Jeremy. I don't care. <laughs> but we love it we love it yeah man i gotta get my hands on the gold lp so that's that's something i need to buy <laughs> it's and it's gatefold i was reading it's gatefold so i'm a sucker for good packaging so I, i'm glad that you're, you're doing some good packaging <laughs> yeah, as it should be uh, there is a there is a there's a photo in there uh on on the gatefold of me uh, naked uh from the nice. ankles down which is uh, you know shocking but nonetheless i'll do whatever it takes in fact mitch uh jeremy <laughs> I, I I saw the success of these girls. I, you know, I'm considering um, a breast enhancement. Yeah, rocking the rocking the skirt ob above the knees and uh, well, Ariana Grande ponytail. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> she can really sing that kid, and she yeah, she you know, can. Yeah, she can really sing. There's a lot. Listen, like these pop stars, there's a lot of them. They're just really good, and they got smart producers. Yeah. Who might have said that's wrong? No, I like a great song. Yeah. If you were to collab with a modern day pop artist, who would you want to collab with? I would vote for Post Malone. I let, think Post and answer. Dennis let would him, be. Mitch, let him answer. Let him answer. Jesus. Is he a pop star? He can be anything he wants. Um, I think um, male or female, do I have to make a choice or. Doesn't no. matter. <clears throat> Oh my goodness. Is there anybody that you listen to like today, like you hear on the radio, hop in the car or something? You're like, oh wow, they got a great voice. Like, oh, I could do a song with them. I know who I think is the most talented, though I don't know it'd be is Lady Gaga is the most talented of all of them. She's, yeah. she's an amazing she can just she transcends all styles uh, vocally and um and she's a, a a good writer. Uh, you know, she's an interesting character. But you know, like McCartney, he's out there. I love Paul McCartney. He's the reason he's, he's my idol. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but now this new album where he's kind of out, you know, he, he's doing all these things, redoing his album with uh, a contemporary artist. Mm -hmm. No, I just think Paul, you're Paul and the rest of us aren't. So, but yeah, I think the guy, and I always preferred the first guy to the second when it came to Lady Gaga. <laughs> and I want to tell you one more thing as a queen fan, two things. Let me get this off my chest. Styx was a year before Queen. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't know Queen was until 1975 in the States. Never heard them. So yes. any similarities are purely accidental. Uh, but you know, the Queen, the Queen song, Lady Gaga. I love Queen. But, late, but Gaga, Radio Gaga, that's not on my top 20 list of songs by Queen that I like. But I'm going to tell you a quick story because there's a radio show. Yeah. yeah. You know, I said, people always say, Dennis, why'd you write this music? I said, hey, seriously, I wanted to kick Queen's ass. That's what drove me in those days. <clears throat> Them and Aerosmith. But so 
I remember watching Friday night videos and uh, on comes Bohemian Rhapsody. I never heard it or saw it with that video. Mm. And I remember watching it and I go like this. Uh Oh, (laughs) 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 the bar gets any higher than that. I said, "Uh Oh, now. So the good news for sticks was queen never got to that bar again, ever in anything they did. That was like, it was a masterpiece to remain so. And, you know, I, th- I hope Brian May, who's, you know, he's a wonderful guy and player. I hope he has a small shrine to Mike Myers in his house someplace for putting that song in that movie. Because without it, I don't think all that's happened to Queen since would have happened. But it op- it's just the floodgates opened when they had all oh, the guys there. Don, don, da, da, don, don. Car. Well, listen, what it ended talk. up being a, a top 10 song at that time, where what, what, yeah. 89 or 90 or whatever it was. And it, it was like, oh, I think the song's still in the uh, I think it's still in the top 100 on iTunes. Like ever since like the iTunes store started, I'm pretty sure it's still in the top 100. <laughs> yeah. When you walk through the doors of heaven, you can stay. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, with, with Mike Myers helping a Canadian, of course. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a lovely guy. I got to Wait a minute. Can you see? Uh, oh, uh, can you see that yeah. poster? We can. Oh, yeah. oh, the Austin Powers Gold Member. Damn right, yeah. it's one of my favorite movies ever. Signed by <laughs> signed by Mike. Nice. Yeah. Wow. He went domo arigato, Mister Roboto. Yes, exactly. That is, <laughs> by the way, Mitch. I just love the quote. He says, "You know, Doctor Evil. I used to think you were crazy, but now I can see your nuts." <laughs> <laughs> and he's hanging on the ladder, looking up at his nuts. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's just the way he looks at the camera. He breaks the fourth. He looks. And he's like, I now I can see your nuts. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he stole that right from Groucho. Mm-hmm. That's Back funny. Thirty yeah. Groucho was looking into the camera. He was because he's just saying, "I'm in on this joke." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, uh, Jeremy, you may or may not know this, but one of our friends, Steve Brown, once in a while plays with uh, Dennis. Oh, right. He yeah. brings that rock and roll guitar crunch of trickster to the stick ex- sticks experience. Yeah. yeah, I told him it was it, I thought it was shameful that he used an X. Yes. From us. How dare you? I mean, you know, no, he's a he's a great, great player. Great guy. Uh, I played on his most recent record. What it's called. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you did a Tokyo Motor Fist. Tokyo Motor Fist. Yeah, I knew it was something to do with driving cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he came here, right? Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, you see that synth over there? Is that is that an Oberheim OB8? That's it's what it is. Yeah, it is an eight. That's where I played the solo. Oh wow! He stood right here next to me, and he had his uh, his entourage guys. He's on the band with. They all came. They were in town. They came and they said, "Will you play a solo on my record?" And I'll say, "How much is involved?" No, I did. (laughs) (laughs) What year did you buy that keyboard? Um. I think it was 1881. Uh, 1980. Uh, most of that early stick stuff, Grand Illusion, Pieces of Eight, that that that's in storage back there. It was a four voice mm. where you had every, there are four oscillators. <clears throat> and for people who don't understand this, it, it allows you to play four s- separate notes at the same time. Right. Synthesizers here to four were one note at a time, all oscillators converging on a note. Uh, and then that came out and it was self-tuning, which was a godsend to everybody who had to worry about if they're on stage, if their synthesizer were, were going out of tune. So, yeah, wow. that's it. 
I have two of those. Uh, that was on the Paradise. That that instrument was played on the. Was that on Paradise Theater? I don't know. It was definitely on. Oh yeah, do, do, yeah. It was on Paradise Theater because I played that. That's the instrument I played. Do, 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 yeah, with the, the arpeggiated bass line kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, Tommy brought that song in. Gong, gong, gong. He played that on keep on uh, uh, on Les Paul. Then I said, man, that, you know, we were feeling the change. I was feeling the changes in music going toward this European English techno thing that was beginning to happen, right? Yeah. In 1980 and 81. Uh, <clears throat> and I said, well, let's give it, let's give it a, a little bit of a modern flavor. And I just played, I came up with that patch and then Chuck played the bass on it. And that's how that happened for too much time on my hands, which is a, you know, listen, does it get better? Uh, I have dozens of friends and the fun never ends as long as I'm buying. I don't know. That's a pretty good line, isn't it? Yeah. I got dozens of friends. So, uh, yeah. So that's what that is over there. But I, most, most of the things that Mitch on, uh, uh, the synthesizer on these last two albums were done on motifs. Oh, wow. The XSF or the montage, which is the newest one. Uh, and I record everything on, can you see this stuff? You don't realize how exciting this is for Jeremy because he, he truly is what we call a gear slut in the that's in the a, vernacular. Forty eight tracks. If you can see this board, that's 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 a Euphonics two thousand board. Now, what the Euphonics is, uh, Jeremy, is it is a digitally controlled analog board. Mm. So the reason I think the stuff sounds sounds good sonically uh, was because I used that board to mix. And this radar, which is the very top, in my opinion, uh, uh, digital recorder. It sounds as much like analog as you can get. No Pro Tools for me. Uh, I don't really? like it. No. Don't use it. Wow. So you're literally and recalling, you got the big console and you're literally recalling, you know, like the tracks from, from the radar. Uh, yeah, no, it's a board, like the old school yeah. right there. Yeah. And, so that's that's the tape machine. And you see and, the things oh. that yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a Masterlink, whatever the hell it is. I record, I, I, I record everything down to the Masterlink. It's old school. Yeah, very uh, old school. Well, it's no, it's not old school. Would be going down to tape. Mm. You know, I still have my uh, two-inch tape machine in the back, the Sony APR. But you know, it's, it's too expensive. Not even then. It's just you know, it's too much it's, work too. You sit there with the razor blade and do the whole thing. Come on. It's too much work. And the one thing that you find is when you can instantly go back to the beginning of a song to a spot without waiting for the rewind. Yeah. I, I used to say a third of our al album budgets were always waiting for the rewind. <laughs> Engineer rewinding the reel. <laughs> uh, by the way, a great yeah. album uh, album title. Dennis waiting Dion presents Waiting for the Rewind. Waiting for the Rewind. Waiting for the Rewind. <laughs> what, like, what, you know, and here's my here's my theory on mixing because I mixed it, Mitch, at volume one and two, Jeremy. I mixed I mixed everything by myself in this room. Wow! Because I didn't want anybody coming down here and giving me the cootie. Mm -hmm. So I trapped down here. I'm mixing it all. And my theory of mixing is simple. This is for all you musicians out there and would be producers and engineers. I see people giving tutorials on YouTube on how to do this, that, and the other thing. Mixing is, this is what it is, the de definition. It's 20 pounds of shit in a two-pound bag. Yeah. yeah. That's it. You've got to figure out how to do that. 
And if you want something, here's the second rule. If you want something to sound better, make it the loudest. <laughs> it's mixing. There it is. You got to think, because you can have a, I'm working with a guy right now who's doing this album. I'm not, I'm just peripheral. He's got 240 tracks. Mm. I thought, oh my God, this is what my theory is. If you need more than, if, if, if it's not orchestral music, it's rock music. If you need more than 48 tracks, write a new song. <laughs> Mutt Lang would disagree. Well, Mutt knows what he's doing. Who can argue with that guy? True. Yeah. No, he knows what he's doing. I just disagree. Yeah. Yeah, that is a lot. You run out of faith you know, at that point. If hysteria is like the model for that style, I get it. But you know what? I always thought, and I'm in the minority, I always thought Def Leppard would sound better if they weren't so overprocessed. That's my thought. I mean, I had good songs, good singing and playing. And it's all this. Hey, okay. I agree. Uh, I think Def Leppard's High and Dry is a better album than everything afterwards. I only, know what, I, only, I, I only know what I hear on the radio, but I'm thinking, okay, that's all effects. And they don't sound like they need it. No, some effects are good. Like the yes. effect having on you right now. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but on Hysteria, it, it, it's really just the good songs with big guitars and big drums. Okay. You're, there's an argument for the overprocess. I could pull a little bit of that saturation on the snare back a little bit. But in reality, the, the, bare, the bones of, of the sound, it's the song. And okay, there's a lot of guitar parts going on, but it all just elevates the song, I think. I know you do. And there's a, listen, am I supposed to argue with their sales? They're just asking my opinion. Who am I? I'm, I'm, I'm an accordion player who was beetle dreaming. What the hell do I know? Yeah. But for me, it's like the, a, a beautiful woman with way too much makeup. Mm. You could take that stuff off and man, you'd still be beautiful. And that's what I think about Def Leppard. Now they're going to sue me for plagiarism because I stole all their, no, I didn't steal them. <laughs> all their tracks, yeah. all their, all their, no, listen. listen. At the end of the day, a good woman's a good woman when the lights are out. So <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Honey, there's a kid in here telling me what I should do with you. <laughs> all I need is a crease. We've been, that's <laughs> a hockey fan. Anyway. <laughs> anyways well listen we've taken up way too much of your time today uh brand new album june 11th make sure you get it it's available wherever music is sold and get the lp 180 gram gatefold it's gonna be awesome it's color well, one last thing um may 11 yep. mitch may 11 um what do we got releasing last guitar hero as a single yeah nice. put a video what is a single i don't even know what that means that's a video Put it on a video mm. prior to the album. And Tom is Morello. Is going to be in the video? Yeah, I can't believe you didn't ask me about Tom Morello. Well, we could. Yeah, we were going we to ask you about Tom Morello, but we weren't sure if you wanted to talk about Tom. So now you can talk all about Tom if you want. Great guitar player. I just did his podcast. Here, here's how it happens. I'm at an Adam Sandler party. And Adam brings, it's not small, 2,000 people. It's a Christmas shindig. He does Hanukkah, Christmas. So I, that, Adam, you know, he's a fan. They want to sing three songs. I go out there with their band. They have a, like a, you know, an all-star band. Yeah. And I sing, and, you know, I can, uh, I don't suck. So um, my guitar player, August, was talking to Tom. And uh, he says, "You, this is what August tells me. 
Mm-hmm. He said, do you want to meet Dennis Young? He said, absolutely. I think Tom Morello wants to meet me. Okay. So uh, anyway, he comes up and we start talking. Sure enough, he's from Libertyville, Illinois, which is just outside Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he told me about being a fan and, you know, he came to, he, he was heavy metal and hard rock first. And then he, as he got older, got to appreciate sticks. He came to see the Paradise Theater tour and the Kilroy tour. And I went, wow, how about that? So um, it was, it was a lovely thing. He's a lovely guy. And as I told my son uh, back in the nineties, when he was uh, um, inundating me with all his music, he said, what do you think of these guys did? I said, well, I got a good, you know, rage against the machine. I said, they got a good keyboard player. He said, that's not a guitar. I said, it is not. And I looked and I went, look at, so I named him the great Houdini at that point. Yeah. So, so anyway, I got, I write this song with Peter Ray. <clears throat> Peter comes up with this riff and we write it out and I sing it and I we write the lyrics, uh, which is a song essentially about technology replacing people, not just about guitar players. It's all, it's all woven into one piece. Yeah. And I think, who is the last guitar hero? Who's the last one? I know who the first one's in. They're dead. Well, Clapton's alive. Page is alive. But if I call them, I don't think they're picking it up. So, um, I said, hey, I said to my son, what do you think? He says, Tom Rello. And I go, yeah, okay. So I think, what have I got to lose? I, I, I email him. I say, hey, Tom, remember me? He says, vaguely. No, he didn't say that. So he said, uh, send me the song. Because I think he's thinking, what's he going to ask me to do, play Babe? Anyway, I, uh, I sent him the song. He said, absolutely love this. So he just did it. That was it. Sent him back to me. And that guitar solo, it's it, smoking, smoking, yeah. and it sounds open. it sounds like Tom Morello. It's got it's got the keyboard. Here's what Tom said when I said I played it for a bunch of people, and they said that sounds like Tom Morello. I said it is, and they went like this. Why the hell is he playing on your record anyway? <laughs> none of those people, Mitch. I I I, I said lose my number. I don't want to talk to him anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, he played it. I when I when I first heard it, I went. The great Houdini. The great Houdini has just arrived in Libertyville, Illinois, from apparently Venus. He yep. flew in because you hear it and you go, <clears throat> who else is that? Yeah. You know? So there you go. That's my Tom Morello story. It comes out on the 11th, uh, 11th of May. Album is the 11th of June. And the song is uh, to surprise some people because they think, oh, that that Dennis, he's. He's going to sing. He's going to try to sing best of times and, and annoy us. Uh, anyway. is, so there stig- is there a stigma around that in your career? Like people just kind of think of you as the lady guy or it's the babe guy, the babe. Yeah. You know, you can be uh, a victim of your successes <clears throat> because um, it's like when you you like somebody and you, you, pretty much everything you hear of them is of a certain nature, at least on top 40 radio, because. Like I told you, Jeremy, lean in here. They don't want no stinking loud guitars on that stuff. So, okay, so there I am. I'm, uh, I'm appealing to the, the pop sensibilities in the audience and to the AC crowd because I, I, I've been married 50 years, 51. I love the woman that I married. We're still together. I, I've had love in my life. I can write about it. So, but really, I'm the guy that wrote Grand Illusion. Hmm. Yeah. I'm like I wrote Castle Walls and on and Sweet Madam Blue, on and on and on. I, I, you know, just because I can do that doesn't mean I can't do that. And 
you know, Mitch, you know me. We know, I know your relationship with, the, with my former colleagues. <clears throat> um, the stuff they tried to say about me just wasn't true. They just needed to come up with an, a, a good story as to why they replaced a sick guy in their van. Right. Uh, so the fact is, a lot of this stuff on this record was me just going back and saying, like, Isla Misanthrope, that's me. That's Sweet Madam Blue updated for today, you know. And, right. and of course I can do that. But when you become known for something, Jeremy, um, you can be the victim of your own successes. But uh, let me just tell you, it's better to be the victim of your success, Mitch, than to be the victim of your failure. Nobody yes. gives a crap about that. Yes. So I accept it that certain people will see me a certain way and life is too short for me to worry about them. I'm, I'm just trying to make good songs uh, for the, for people who like good music beyond that. I know nothing. Yep. Yep. And, and if I, I'll just quickly relate a story that Doug Feger of the knack told me, I said, you know, Doug, my Sharona. And he said, Mitch, it was the golden albatross. He says, I'm sitting here and you can see the pool and the house and the cars. It bought me all of that. However, every time I went into the record company, they would listen to the new music and they'd say, we don't hear another My Sharona. Start again. And he goes, but you know what? The pool, the house and the cars. It's my golden albatross. <laughs> here's, what people, here's what people will say to you at a record company. Um, you know what this album needs? Another come sail away. You know what I used to say? No shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, on the other hand, I wrote that. It's it, it's I did that already. You know, if I try to make another, see when I was writing "Come Sail Away," guess what? I wasn't trying to do. I make wasn't trying to write "Come Sail Away." I just wrote it. If you try to write something, it's going to be a Polaroid. Mm. Yeah, that's where you just got to go. Give me something. You know, somebody you do you over there jump up and down. Give me a new idea. And that's it. You, you, you're just trying to make stuff up. That's all. Yeah. And by the way, that's what happened with uh, the rock scene in the 80s going into the 90s. They all started trying to replicate the power ballad. And by the time you got to 91, 92, you just went, enough of this. Stop with the Xeroxing of power ballads. And then you know, just, why, I know why, Jeremy? Jeremy, back to you. You want to know why they did that? Why? Because they wanted to get on pop. You want to get on top 40 radio. Yeah. They knew uh, the rock stuff was going to be like you get. No, I just, oh, well, I'll, t you I'll tell you what, you know, it's, as a guitar player, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the guitar player named Dan Huff, who's one of the big you know, right. country, country producers now. Yeah, and he's, he's, about you. yeah, you know, so in, when he was in Giant in the late 80s, like early 90s, but he was also a big session guy. He did this tu video tutorial thing that I was watching and he was talking about how to kind of orchestrate guitar parts. And he's like, you know, this song it calls for the brown, a brown, out, brown, out, out, dick down. But the record label producers say we need something in there to make it um, too rock. It needs to be a little more pop. So you slap on the clean tone with the with the tri chorus, and you put in a little jangly like just to make it sound a little less aggressive. And I'm like, but you know, what they're telling you, I know what they're telling you. We don't want to disturb our female demo. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah, exactly. What it is. They always we don't want to. Scare That's funny. We don't want to scare the girls away. And I think to myself, I think girls will like anything that's really good. You know, yes. I mean, there are certain people go, "Ooh, I'm offended." What are you going to do? You can't. You can't please everybody. 
Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because his program director director is always talking about Jennifer. The Jennifer's out there. <laughs> right? Yeah. The, the yeah. Jennifer's need to listen to this. And it's like, think yeah. of Jennifer when you're doing your, your interview. Think of Jennifer when you're putting right. it together. Okay, so Jeremy, you have 20 seconds to talk here. Is every word you say relatable to Jennifer? Does she yes. Jennifer benefit? <laughs> Does is her life made a little easier by what you're about to say to her? Like it's and not the goth jennifer she's a different thing yeah different one different one there we go there we go one with the bone in her nose that's another demo yeah that's a totally different one but no it's it's interesting to talk to you about that because it's like you know mitch and i we talk about this often where i and i can relate to it a little bit where there's like a stigma around say your brand because i a lot of people know me as the long-haired rock guy well i just cut my hair but i'm on the on the pop top 40 station so people are like, well, shouldn't you be on a rock station? I'm like, well, no, I'm a fan of music. And then like, when I started this podcast outside of the station, you know, I want to talk to Dennis DeYoung, but I also want to talk to Shania Twain. And I want to talk to, uh, you know, Gene Simmons. And I want to talk to Lady Gaga or uh, Keith Urban. And Desmond Child and stuff. You know, like that. People, people that I'm just a fan of. But then you go to publicists or labels and they're like, oh, well, you had Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley on your show. That's not good. That's not a good fit for our artist. I'm like, but I'm just trying to cater to people that like good music that I'm also a fan of. So wouldn't you want your artists to be exposed? To branch out. To branch yeah. out. Wouldn't you want to reach as many people as you as you possibly can? But there's still this old school mentality of like, oh no, you're this. You have to stay on brand. It's that. That's what it is. And that we we can't we can't go out of our lane. The people you're talking about are their their number one concern, as we have already discussed, is selling washing machines or beer. Or whatever it is, you know, auto insurance. <clears throat> and we have to respect those guys a little bit because they're trying to keep their phony baloney jobs, as we all are. And, you know, artists, whatever that means, um, it's our job to try to create things and not try to fit a mold. You know, it, it, we just try to create new and interesting things that interest us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's guys like you who, if without you, you tell the world, guess, you know what your job is? You go like this. Hey, did you know this existed? That's what you do. Did you have any idea this was there? And that's what you do. Yeah. All the time trying to fight the guys whose job has nothing to do with, did you know this was here? And it was just, you know, air conditioners are on sale at Best Buy. This is this is the way the world works. And you and I, Jeremy, no matter how old and young you are, the two of us, we're not we better get on that train and not get in front of it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's 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 the way it's always been from an old guy. Things have not really changed except for there is no more rock radio for the most part. Yeah. Man. Well, anyway, Dennis, you've said it all. You've said it all, my friend. Thank you. The Jeremy White Podcast, Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Available wherever you get your podcasts.